It's a war journal in podcast form. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast every week on the Laser Time Podcast Network. I'm Henry Gilbert, that's H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. Mm. Oh, is that me? Hold on, sorry. It looks okay. It looks okay. Yeah. And I'm Christopher Antista, king of Spider-Man sound effects. You are the best. But mm. we have a special guest that's even better than you, Chris. I wish I had more <laughs> of them on there. Our special guest uh, is so happy to have him on here in town. Your name, please. My name is Chris Baker, longtime listener, first-time <gasps> guest. Oh. And uh, we've we've only spoken over email and Twitter, but uh, many, so, yeah. many, many Marvel-related conversations. Have we actually exchanged emails? I think I sent you, you a did. promo for Doctor Doom last you did. week. You did, you did. We're on the press release list now. It's great. Is, yeah. Did you do that stream already? Yes, we did. Okay. We did a pretty mammoth stream for Marvel <laughs> Heroes. I guess I should say the name of the yeah. game that I work on. Uh, Marvel Heroes by Gazillion. I'm their PR and social media guy, mm-hmm. and uh, the game is great, and I'm not just saying that because I'm the PR and social media guy. No, it is it is great, and you like if anybody out there has gotten those Vision and She-Hulk codes that I was giving away, it was all courtesy of this man. Us. Yes, thank you. Courtesy <laughs> of this great show. Yeah. You guys oh, deserve no. it. That's what I, but it's one of the things I love about the game, because the environment that it lives in, I don't know, it can function on the same hype cycle as a comic. Yeah. This week, Doom. What? Yeah! Yeah, <laughs> like you get a reason to get kind of excited. Um, well, more, than, wh- more than once, which mm-hmm. is how games normally work. Well, um, even the white, uh, the all-white God Doom costume. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, to reflect Secret Wars. It's actually, actually the one that's in there is the FF costume. Oh, okay. neat. But uh, we, we are well aware of that Secret Wars costume, mm. and uh, we're possibly going to create that. Mm. <laughs> I'm t- uh, yeah, and I, I talked about it on here. I saw the game recently at Game Developers Conference, and it was looking really good. You talked all about um, how the game had been improved, and you guys are constantly like, it's a living game, and you guys are always working to improve it, and just how you had all these guys. And I, I felt like I at least impressed uh, you and your, your <laughs> colleague, because when you showed off the uh, the Revengers, like, mm. nobody could, it was, I think it was the Revengers Hulk. Yes. Nobody in the room could think of it in the night. I didn't even the, know it. I was the first one to <laughs> finally go like, oh no, that's the that's the Cancerverse Avengers that they fought in Guardians of the Galaxy. Boom. And like, yeah. I, the I the colleague it. you speak of is David Brevik, uh, our CEO, who also was the creator of Diablo. So, yes. Wow. Didn't want to mess that yeah. up. But, yeah. but you've worked on a ton of Marvel games, right? Uh, yeah, I actually used to work at Marvel. I work mm-hmm. at Gazillion now, but I used to work at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there from 2007 to last year. So I think, I think there's something like 20 plus games that I at least Neat. had some hand in. Do you have a favorite? That's uh, my favorites would be Marvel vs. Capcom 3, which uh, I, I know that you had at least something to do with. Yeah. And uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes. Uh, the new one? They just announced the new one. Uh, they announced Avengers. Right. Uh, the oh, one that came Avengers, out not Marvel uh, a couple years ago. I also had a lot of fun on the Spider-Man games, mm-hmm. uh, especially Shattered Dimensions. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you guys are big Web of Shadows fans. That was one of my first... I, I like Shattered on. Dimensions too. I, I played it recently. Mm-hmm. I, I at least like it. I think it is the most spider-man-y game yeah. ever mm-hmm. like it's you get the most fan service ever in that one and it's and it's written by dan slot who's right i am a huge you're a listener of this podcast you know i'm a huge dan <laughs> slot fan mm-hmm. i love his books so much okay they're so great favorite favorite uh non-marvel game and you can't say uh arkham <laughs> okay uh as far know. as superhero games yeah, or yeah, yeah. oh wow that i can't say arkham you can't say arkham <laughs> that really narrows it down uh, th- this might be uh, wow. This I can't think of anything else at, uh, at this time, but I will say the Adventures of Batman and Robin for Super Nintendo. I loved it, wow. but yes. I'm sorry. The answer was Sunsoft Batman. That was <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I, 
That's I, I yeah I missed that string of like awesome Batman games went right at the time I was falling in love with him. <laughs> yeah, go well, back and, and look at that game and uh, look at it from well I've gone back and looked mm-hmm. at that game from like a, a brand mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. It is terrible from a brand perspective. Batman is purple. <laughs> Joker just completely dwarfs him in height. He can summon lightning. You know, you got to do that for gameplay purposes, sure. I guess. And there's like, if you look in the manual, there's characters in it like uh, like Heatwave from Flash and uh, Maxi Zeus and uh, good old Maxi uh, Zeus. Electrocutioner. If you go and look and compare those characters to what they actually look like in the comics, it's pretty evident that Sunsoft just <laughs> got like the who's who book of dc and was like okay this sprite will name it maxi zeus uh just because that's a character in batman this is the information i wanted so dearly (laughs) there's nothing i loved in uncovering a 20 year old license game and digging in my favorite was i played that amazing mortal kombat-esque uh midway acclaim batman forever game oh wow and the ending the ending follows tim burton's original script which is the the riddler hulking out like the Joker did in Ar- the first Arkham Asylum. I'm much and, more interested in this game now and than yeah, I've ever you, yeah, in you my fight, life. Yeah, you fight a jacked Riddler at the very end of the game. Because that's, I don't know, I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, that's Chris, where the script was when they started making the game. In your after hours, like, you you mm. are a bit of an expert on old school uh, superhero video games. More right? like in my in-between jobs. Uh, right, I, did, right. I wrote a book called... Uh, did you? I, yeah, I wrote a book, and that, that's that's how I know that stuff off the top of my head. Because uh, I wrote a book called Wrong Retro Games, You Messed Up Our Comic Book Heroes. And it goes through the entire... <laughs> Why did I know about this? I'm doing. I'm literally planning something on this, and I didn't. I, wrong. Yeah, I'll, I will hook you up, dude. It goes through the history of superhero games from the very first one, which was Superman for Atari 2600, through <laughs> 1992. Uh, X Men for by Konami is the last book. I have there. seen this. It has the yeah, NES cover. Yeah. Now I cover. I I've watched that. Uh, I did an article once in my old job that was comparing like it was called DC versus Marvel the video games. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I did each of their first ones, and I remember it was the first time I ever looked at Superman 2600. Like, and comparing that to Spider-Man 2600 is comparing that, like, like a just a square drawn by a mm-hmm. two-year-old to like a five-year-old <laughs> drawing stick figures. Like, yeah. they, that's the one with like four colors. The Mattel Superman game. Well, I mean, that Superman game has like uh, no. It has like three Spider-Man screens. Game, Spider-Man the Spider-Man game, game is going up, up and up wall, and up. Yeah. And right. I love the commercial for that with the Green great. Goblin. It's like, that's a great Green Goblin costume in that commercial like it is great oh i need to talk yeah. to you later so i can complete this other feature i was working on for this I, i'm oh, happy goodness. to help but it's worth noting too that those games were five years apart yeah, uh, yeah. Were they really? it's oh, not yeah. the most like fair 82. comparison uh yeah or yeah four years apart sorry uh superman actually came out with the movie it mm. is the very wow. first game that came out alongside a major motion picture wow, so that's right to ride its wow. popularity Man, what would it was Empire second, the Empire Atari that game? That came out in 1982, so that was like two oh, years wow. after. I also asked that because you, you've worked at Lucas Arts as well, right? Yes. You're the greatest you person I've ever met. quite a background. Yeah. <laughs> and, and before that, you worked in the games press. I was uh, an editor on the official U.S. PlayStation magazine from 2000 to 2004. Wow. Like right before our, our old company bought it, I'm guessing. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yes, I, definitely. It's probably messier than that. To, to it, it, was, it was when magazines still kind of mattered a little bit. Well, no, and I like you worked with uh, our old boss Gary Steinman. That's yes. how I think he hooked us up at one point. But because mm. like, I always remember with Gary, me and him 
warmed up to each other just arguing Through about comics. comic book things in the office. See, he, I missed out on that. He he uh, like had a comic renaissance right after we worked together. Oh, that's and too bad. Yeah, it, so that's kind of a shame because that would have been fun. Well, so did I. But you've never fallen off. Uh, I have fallen off have in you? the past. Uh, I think we all fell yeah. off at one point or another. Everybody is taking a break. There was a point where it just got too expensive for me. <laughs> had to be responsible, save money. Uh, really, it was getting the job at Marvel that really like totally reinvigorated me in those terms because I, I always I was always like a huge Spider-Man and X-Men fan mm-hmm. knew those really well but I went into Marvel not even knowing the origin of Iron Man and really? you know yeah like uh, I, I learned what the origin of Iron Man was and then you know I was I started there just a few months before Iron Man came out so um, yeah that is impressive yeah I I've said it on this podcast before but yeah right before Iron Man came out and like the year beforehand I said Iron Man that guy's like a B-list dude he'll mm-hmm. why is Marvel starting with this guy and then it made a billion dollars and took well, over he, the box office Guardians of the, the Galaxy yeah those Guardians. guys will never make it <laughs> You, that, you all, well, you also shine a light on the uh, what is it? The uh, getting the job at the sausage factory when, like, when I got it, when I started applying for a job in the games industry, I was at a college and like I was not playing anything, and I felt uh, deeply un- underqualified to be applying, even though of course my past knowledge was pretty decent, like beyond right. decent uh, in a pre-internet normal world. And, and, and <laughs> once you get a job at a place like that, it, it lets you indulge yourself in everything you always told yeah. yourself. Like I should hold, I should finish this first. No, once you get a job at those places, you can dive headlong into irresponsible purchases of plenty. Yeah, n- nostalgically speaking, the height of my comic book reading was the early to mid '90s. But mm. I know I've read just probably in the last year more comics than I did back then, and that yeah. was I felt like that was my life back then, mm-hmm. and now it's my job i guess <laughs> it's still wow. something that I, i'm i'm completely hooked it would be hard for me to break away from mm. uh you know marvel especially i try to keep up with dc as well it's it's mm-hmm. it's tough dc is tough it is it's harder to keep but it i feel like you have to pick and choose i feel that way i explained this recently to somebody about they said why don't you watch this pro wrestling this indie pro wrestling group and i said well after after keeping up with three other federations of wrestling mm. how can i then watch yeah. like two other indie things too like it's just it's really that's a lot of time even for somebody who's working from home on freelance stuff like that's a lot there's only so much time to be a geek you know yeah. like i i bet i would love doctor who I've never seen yeah, an yeah, episode of me. Doctor Who in my life. Like, I've yeah. heard it's great. Yeah. I've heard it's great, but then you look at it like, so I start with the 25th season yeah. of 20 episodes? Or what? No? <laughs> no, you need a fa- friend to tell you it. But it, even so. then, it's just like, oh, I, I've watched a couple episodes of Doctor Who and I love it. I, I loved it, but I also just thought I can't. There's other things I need the to get into. Thing, I, I'd rather way, just rewatch some X-Files. The only way I can binge watch stuff nowadays is if I really get the lady on board. Because mm-hmm. then you're both motivating one another, and neither of you feel guilty for it, and it worked with Daredevil. Thank you, Lord. Same and, here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we've got where we got a little Daredevil news to talk about. But mm-hmm. first, let's get into what you've been reading. Mm-hmm. I haven't read a lot since last week. Again, we're not recording this on Wednesday, so we don't have the new releases to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I did read uh, two big ones. Well, three big ones I really liked. One... Mm-hmm. Uh, Airboy number one, which is this new series from Image by the previously mentioned James Robinson. Mm-hmm. And I found out about it because uh, my friend Jan Jones, she tweeted about it publicly and she said, like, her tweet was strange. It already made me want to read because she said, this is about a very difficult time in my life and I think it's very strange for this to be a comic book, but I also think everybody should read Airboy. I was like, whoa. I read it and and it takes place like two years ago and James Robinson is right. It's an autobiographical comic. Makes James Robinson look 
horrific. He made like, it sound like the, the permanent midnight of uh, yeah, comic totally, books. totally, it totally <laughs> is. That's a great way to put it. And Jan comes off as great as the his his then wife, as she's called in the book. And but it's so a great the, superhero name. So the whole then book wife. is. It's just Robinson going like, I'm a hack, I hate myself, I'm not good anymore. And then Image Comics says, hey, there's this old character, Airboy, from the, it's a, it's a made-up 40s character. Then they tell him, you should do a gritty, modern reimagining of it. He gets his, he gets his artist, he gets paired with an artist, and then they just go on this, like, he's got no ideas, and then they just go on this debaucherous booze and drug run all night, and then wake up the next morning, and then Airboy just appears and is like, this can't stand, gentlemen, and... <laughs> So now the rest of the book seems to be that Airboy is going to try to fix these oh. guys' lives. Like, or, I don't know. That's that's the. It's a great cliffhanger, but it's it's really interesting, especially if you like if you're me. If you're like me and you've been reading James Robinson's works for a long time, but you never really knew the man. It's interesting to see. It's there are some. There's a number of scenes that just make you just cringe. Like, ooh, geez, you, this is oversharing, bro. I don't know, man. But it's a really good book. It's a really good book. I finished on your recommendation, Jupiter's Legacy. And I, well, we, we had a well. It wasn't controversial. We just did a Laser Time Best of 2015 so far, and I did declare maybe controversial. My favorite superhero movie of 2015 was the January release, The Kingsman, just because like mm-hmm. I've watched it twice since then. It's uh, granted it's available for me to do so. Yeah, I bought it on Amazon 14.99, and that movie is fantastic. Um, and but then I'm reading Jupiter's Legacy, and I, I did like it, mm-hmm. but then it, I'm just sort of like, why is this always about internal politics with you, Mr. Miller? Why um, is this always about the internal politics of being a superhero? Well, and it's it's always like this is so movie esque. I mean, he makes things. I, I I've read multiple of his stories mm-hmm. lately in the last like three years. Once he stopped doing Marvel works, I mm-hmm. thought this feels like you're just writing a movie. You're you're drawing. You're making a movie as a comic first, but you know you want it to be a movie. Yeah, it has big or ideas. They're just show. they're just like never. I did again. Did love it, but just mm-hmm. like all the big ideas are not on the page. It's all about what superheroes argue about when they're not doing <laughs> when they're not doing well, stuff. It reminds me of that. Uh, I've been thinking. There was a Bendis quote about Mark mm-hmm. Miller very recently in that uh, in that article? ultimate in that Ultimate Universe article. I thought that like was the origin cool. of the Ultimate Universe, which was a great article. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys need to seek it out. It was on Vulture, I believe, yeah. right? But in it, they didn't get Miller quotes in it, but they they had a new interview with Bendis mm-hmm. and Bendis. They talked about the differences between Bendis and Miller's writing style, mm-hmm. and Bendis says like his his stuff is just so cynical. I think was his thing, yeah. like just too brutally cynical, even when he thinks it is, and it is. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that's kind of. I mean, that's what attracted me to Miller too. There, there's so many, but there's a lot of other beautiful. I don't mean to sell Jupiter's Legacy short at all. I, I, one thing I do want to sell short, and I don't have many other places to talk about it, and it barely counts as what you've been reading because I watched it since eight. That show that came on Netflix. Oh, from the, the Wachowski Wachowskis. brothers and, and uh, uh, the Wachowskis, ah, the Wachowskis, the Wachowskis, yes. uh, the Sibs, the Sibs, and and and, the, um, and J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, mm. It's terrible. It's it is. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be too mean while Chris is on. The, uh, well, Mr. Baker is on the show, but yeah, I like, And it's, it's sorry. I, terrible is a strong word. Go but for it. I don't. I am absolutely <laughs> fascinated with the. the I'm next. just JMS. JMS. I'm no, not, I have. I'm I, not the I love JMS the Thor thing. stuff. Yes, and, that, and like it wasn't. It's but I, I think, think it's the stuff I liked of JMS that made me dislike his more recent. I stuff I think it more, has right? to I'm do. Like, you used to do things I like. I keep. I've talked about that here before, but the Netflix model of like, well, everybody's going to binge watch this. Mm-hmm. So what the the mandate they seem to take is like, so we don't have to reveal anything for hours. 
I'm serious. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like, like, and it made me appreciate full on. And I know I can talk about this here. Game, the first ep- episode of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and what gets me frustrated about Game of Thrones, the books, and are like here are a bunch of disparate characters that don't actually have any relation to one another. But the book and the show starts with everybody going to Winterfell. Mm-hmm. You're introduced to every single character in Winterfell, and this, I think, since eight tries to think, well, you'll be interested in eight characters all over the planet. They never meet. They're never in the same area. They have none of the same goals, and they don't exist in the same ecosystem. And it was I've watched for over three hours, and it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Like the hook, it has not come yet, and it's weird. It's, not, it's I don't mean to say terrible because it's it's fucking beautiful and like well, it's shot. It's shot on the, told us the hook brings you. Back, so. <laughs> well, I just don't know what the hook is. I just I just wanted to talk about it somewhere. Like, please tell me at some point there is a hook here because right now like nothing is happening in three hours. I'm guessing it's a 13 episode series. That's a lot of time to waste. I do think it's interesting to see the Wachowskis working with JMS mm-hmm. because... They, no, I love that. They're such big comic nerds. Yeah. Like they, they've written comics themselves. They hired all these comic writers to work on The Matrix. Like They hired uh, Jeff Darrow, I remember, and uh, oh, uh, Steve Scorsese. In between was, directing. I, they, yeah. adapted v for, they adapted yeah, V for they Vendetta. Yeah, they adapted V like, for Vendetta. And I, I think they secretly directed that movie. I bet it wasn't this there. I, judging by the, by the 13 Ninja movies, you... His follow-up, you might be right. I don't. I, didn't, I never saw it. I never. Saw <laughs> I didn't it, see but that I saw the reviews. Movie either. But uh, oh, also, I read. I went back and because uh, it was a dollar, there was a lot of great sales on there. I bought uh, on Comicsology the first six mm. issues of the new Ghost Rider book mm. were a dollar mm. each, and I meant to catch I, up. I'm going to get into that. But I also read the. This is. A, I haven't read it. I'm trying to read more Jack Kirby these mm-hmm. days, or go back in his legacy and one of those things big time is dc jack kirby i've mm. never read much of that mainly because i i usually i would see it as lesser to his marvel work which i still kind of do but i mean like you know the the black rider or the no the the dude on the skis in the new gods whatever his name is like <laughs> don't know my new gods Okay, but he's just like he's a lesser Silver Surfer. Like mm. the Silver Surfer, that's the. I'm telling you, this skiing thing's going to be big. No, he's <laughs> the Death Racer or something. He's the, the new gods are ridiculous, but equally ridiculous is Commandi, the Last Boy, which was a book he made in the seventies. And I told you about this before, Chris, where uh, Jack Kirby was hired to do a Planet of the Apes book, yes. a licensed book for DC. They lost the license before it was published, so he basically just did the same thing. Like the first issue has all these from Planet of the Apes, ah, except crap. it's all cat people. Cat people, dog people, and it's just such an interesting world that's built around it. It's also ridiculous as all <laughs> hell, but in a really fun way. In a really fun way. And that's, I should have said my favorite comic series was Planet of the Apes meets Star Trek. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing that's ever happened to comics. In the history of all comics. In all comics. All comics. I can say that here with <laughs> no embarrassment in front of Chris Baker. <laughs> well, also reading the Commandi book brought me back to... Um, the Superboy series from the '90s, which I was a big fan of. Oh, I, I yeah. love that! I love that book so much. But the uh, well, the uh, the one I like the most was Carl Kessel, Tom Grummet run after Reign of the Supermen. That was my big one, and they did one which confused the hell out of me as a as a teen because it was Superboy loses all his powers, is running around in torn up jean shorts and getting chased around by cat people on an on a on a mysterious island. I was like, what did what the hell is going on here? And now after reading Commandi, I'm like, oh, duh. It was obviously, an ins- like, it was a Commandi tribute the entire time. That was great. And and lastly, what I read, uh, Chris, I think you'll be interested in. Okay. Is uh, I read Green, this 
band comic called Green Leader, which uh, I picked up from oh, Kotaku. Oh, that was great. I read through Kotaku. So it was this uh, really cool, like, manga-style, uh, wordless fan comic, uh, giving a story and a background to Green Leader, the man who crashed his A-wing into the Executor <laughs> in Return of the Jedi. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a really good, it's a really quick read, a really yeah. good comic. Like, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It gave, yeah, very I, beautiful. What was that man's wife look like? Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that is, and that man's wife was the X-Wing pilot that gets mm-hmm. blown up before he flies. Oh, that's that last shot. a huge spoiler for yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's Green Leader is a really good comic, a, a really neat fan comic. I, yeah, like I, I wish I could, I should see more fan comics. Too. Well, I always, I love the Executor. I had the, uh, I had a micro, one of my favorite. I, I never bought micro machines for the, for the cars, From but the- I would buy the micro machines for the Star Wars uh, vehicles. <laughs> and one Me of my too. favorites was the Executor. I, I just loved the Super Star Destroyer. It was so cool and. And so then seeing how... And also, though, it gets blown up. Like, that is a real design flaw in any Star Destroyer, really. If you can just blow up <laughs> the main well, we designed it deck, so then when, it'll crash. Like When uh, the hull is breached even slightly, it just spews fire into space. That's great. <laughs> Let's sign off on that. Let's get that built. I mean, I guess you need the shield thing. <laughs> you have the shield things, but, you know, a, a couple good ion cannon bursts from a B-Wing, that'll take it out, right? Yeah. Right, Chris? I, the X-Wing <laughs> game taught us that. Yeah, that's, that's what X-Wing games taught me one of my favorite things to do in the x-wing games was to turn on like no damage and just be a b-wing and just shoot the star destroyers until they blew up like, i never got the b-wing expansion pack uh, it, wasn't... It, was, it was fun is, is yeah. there still time did gog release all that stuff oh they did yeah, yeah. and i did buy those i just need to go back and them. play them <laughs> I, i'd love to that's the story of gog for me yeah i bought them can't wait to see. <laughs> well, I wait. mean, that's what Steam is, too. Yeah. It's, we're all, I, I think we've all had the experience of, mm-hmm. oh, this awesome game is on sale on Steam. I bought it two years I, ago. I am following that story of the Steam refunds th- uh, story like a hawk. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just because, like, all these purchases I've made, these, like, grocery store impulse buys I've made on Steam <laughs> during sales, and now you can get a refund within a certain period of time, like, mm. without any questions or deliberation. Interesting. Uh, a lot of developers not very happy about it. Cause... Well, I, I heard, I did read one story that uh, the example was Octodad, because mm-hmm. Octodad is a real short game. Yeah, my game's two mm-hmm. hours long and two dollars, <laughs> and yeah. you want a refund. Okay, mm-hmm. this, uh, this, this business model now is dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, Chris, what have you been reading? I've been dying to find out, just in general. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Marvel stuff, go figure. No. A lot of Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you guys have talked about the actual core Secret Wars comic, which mm-hmm. I'm really loving. The, the yeah. Doctor Doom reveal was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah okay. Minor was spoilers that around spoilers? this. Not enough. I think but, that's out there enough. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. But minor spoiler warnings. But okay. What do you, maybe you have secret insight on this or whatever, but... Probably not. Probably but not. But, <laughs> but okay, do you think that is his real for real face? Like, I'm going to say yes. Man. Because it, it, makes, it makes this event big. Yeah, and to because that has been a secret for 50 years. Yeah. Like, some people on the comments were saying, no, didn't they show it in the 90s? And it was just a little scratch, but he was so vain. And I was like, I think that was a theory, but they never showed it. Like I, I don't think they ever showed his face. I, I, I was pretty baffled to hear that that his face has never been shown because I feel like there's all these moments I've seen him on mask from the but, back. Ma- of his but head. yeah, maybe never in the Fox movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, the Nip Tuck fella. Uh, but yes, not not to camera. That could have been those situations. But yeah, I'm really enjoying Secret Wars too. Have you been reading any of the side books? I have. Uh, I think my favorite one so far. I, I, I want to say it's 
battle world where it had the Punisher uh, with Doctor Strange's powers. Ooh, that's, wow. That's the, my, huh. my favorite like kind of side story that I've read so far. Is he even satisfied oh, man, by that great. type of murder? Uh, he, well, he like makes so grenade grooving. launchers. Uh, it's like <laughs> yeah. a grenade of Watum or something like that. You know, <laughs> he'll, he'll summon all these huge, uh, you know, Doctor Strange like powers except they're, they're weapons. I, uh, man, Battle World was on my list. I have, yeah. I, I've got a copy that I uh, from a very nice reader. I don't know if they want me to name them, but thank you, thank you, listener, not reader. Anyway, yeah, the, I, I need to read Battle World. I got the one in Battle World Two, which has like the Count Ducula cover yes. or the Count Ducula scene. See, I don't know if that's great. Count Ducula or the. No, it, it's, it, it can't it's, be. Count I read Ducula. that it's Dracula. Uh, Dracula, Dracula, but it, it looks people. People said it's Count Ducula. I'm like, well, if it's aping anything, it looks like uh, the vampire duck from the Ducktales game. Hmm. From the Transylvania level? Come on. I remember, I remember. But I I do remember as a kid, Marvel had the licensed Danger Mouse and Duckula books. Like, I do remember hmm. buying those and reading it. I think they were part of the same line that had their kids' line in the 80s. It had uh, Spider-Ham and the Care Bears book. And this conversation Alf. and the description of your book are the most times I've encountered the word Danger Mouse in like three <laughs> <Yeah>. years. <laughs> I would <laughs> Feels like there were three Danger good. Mouse games that never came out in the U.S. Yeah, uh, but I think you can play them on like that uh, archive.org MS DOS. Uh, it's uh, DOS it was the, uh, the the Z or the ZX, ZX ZX Spectrum Spectrum. Well, did you read Renew Your Vows? Yes. Too? So I saw I it, Renew Your Vows was a great book to me, but I didn't know it had just from judging by Dan Slott's Twitter feed. It seemed to angry up all these like one more day feelings people had stuffed away for the last five years or something. It was, <laughs> it was strange. I just hadn't seen. Well, for me, like I was somebody who when it happened, when one more day happened as a Spider-Man fan who had pretty much only read the current Spider-Man for me, I started reading in earnest in 1992 uh, with the 30th anniversary. Spider-Man had always been married. Like right. it wasn't a weird mm-hmm. concept for him to be married to me. And uh, for Spider-Man to be married to me. That's what I thought. No. Easy. Um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a weird concept. And so when they got rid of it, at first I was like, what? Continuity, retcon, blah, blah. But though I don't think they needed to have him not be married anymore mm-hmm. to tell great stories. I do think the proof is in the pudding that like the my favorite Spider-Man comics maybe ever followed one more day. Like the brand new day. Yeah. Big time. Superior. Mm-hmm. And the current stuff. Spider-Verse. Like I loved all those books so much. Like especially the entire Spider-Man writing team on brand new day. But Dan Slott especially like it led to some of my best stuff. So uh, some of my favorite stuff. Now just seeing Spider-Man and Mary Jane together again it then makes them go like what? Like get mad about one more day all over again. I thought haven't we been proven that that maybe was the right idea? <laughs> Guys. Yeah, actually, uh, when I worked at Marvel once, uh, Dan Slott called me up before, probably two years before Spider-Verse, Ooh. and he gave me the whole lowdown because he was so excited about oh, it. So he was cool. like, we're, we're going to take Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, basically, and we're going to make it a huge story with all the <laughs> Spider-Men, and uh, it, I, I can't remember why we were actually talking in the first place, but you know, this conversation went on to a place where I don't think I was even supposed to know about it at that point, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, was, it was totally exciting me at the time too yeah. Well, and that, yeah I'm, I'm a huge fan of Dan's I actually know him personally you know he's he's an amazing Marvel pinball player oh nice. yeah I'd, I'd seen he, him share his he is one stuff. of the like top 100 <laughs> Xbox 360 amazing Spider-Man scores it's incredible <laughs> wow yeah. yeah that is that is impressive now I man it'd be great 
wait someday to interview Dan Slott. Like he is just so uh, I I think he just I feel like he gets me as a Spider Man fan. Like <laughs> hmm. he writes jokes in there that are for people that have read eight hundred Spider Man comics. Right. There was a quick aside joke in an amazing Spider Man pre Superior Spider Man where they brought up the villain facade, who was supposed to be this big secret enemy in this long-term story in Web of Spider-Man right before the Clone Saga. And then the Clone Saga just ended it. They never spoke of Facade again. Hmm. Facade's identity was this big secret. Like, Facade killed Lance Bannon, if you remember okay. the Spider-Man supporting character Lance Bannon. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, in a one-panel gag, Spider-Man has webbed up Facade, and Facade said, well, you caught me, Spider-Man. Good job. You finally earned the right to know who I truly am. And I'm... Spider-Man just cuts him off. Like, one second, guy. I gotta answer this phone. Like, just... It, little jokes like that. I love I love that stuff. I think I remember that happening, but I, I, I didn't know the story behind it, so I'm glad you just yeah. mentioned that. Well, and I'm sure there's, like... He sticks in about 80... Spider-Verse in particular. Mm-hmm. I, I'm betting there were, like, 10 jokes per page oh, yeah. I was missing. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, having worked on Shattered Dimensions myself especially, Mm-hmm. That that was a great primer that, to Spider Verse because yeah. uh, you know at the same time I was like suggesting alternate costumes and and that kind of stuff. That was a big part of my job was to go in and mm-hmm. investigate that kind of thing. Yeah, I think my favorite alt costume in that one uh, or that one that pleased me the most to see was the Fantastic Bagman because yeah. I, I that was a joke. I think even when it was being demoed to me, my I jokingly said. Yeah, you fantastic Bagman. That'd be funny. And then to see it in the game, I was like, whoa! You know, that was actually in the Neversoft game in 2000. Oh, that's right. That's the first that's place right. I ever saw it. I, I That was a little... You could uh, unlock 1,800 of them in that mobile game. I couldn't stop playing oh, last right. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Reading anything else? Uh, yeah. You know, more, more Secret War stuff. Old Man Logan... Um, I'm pretty sure it's Bendis who's writing that. And you were talking earlier about mm-hmm. Bendis and Millar, and and uh, it, that oh, yeah. was that was Millar's story. Uh, that now it's it's in Bendis's hand, and uh, I, I'm I'm enjoying you know the one issue, but it's it's like made me realize how much I wish there were more just outside of Secret Wars, Old Man Logan, because mm-hmm. I, I was a huge fan of that uh, series to begin with. Yeah, it was a really fun, but I think they could totally make a movie out of that. Like yeah. maybe wait 20 years for Hugh Jackman yeah, to age into the Role and oh, wow, that'd be it'd be just like never. Like, you don't want it to be like never say never again. The Bond film, the sad Bond film with Bond when right. Connery <laughs> came back. But yeah, I think uh, knowing Hugh Jackman, I bet he'd stay in pretty good shape for the next twenty years. Is it? He's almost been doing that twenty years. Yeah, it that is. is he's, I think he said that recently. That's why he's kind of like pretty clear. He's he says Take a break is his last one. Take a break. Well, he just says it. just show up for Infinity War. I don't care. Chris, you what? gotta you gotta let go of that pipe dream, man. No, why not? Just throw some money around. It'll happen. Money solves everything. Let's let's kickstart it. <laughs> we can make it happen. Kickstart the fan film version. Uh-huh. <laughs> It'll be like Veronica Mars. But. Yes, except that fans will be doing it for the biggest movie in the universe. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, bet, I bet that can happen. You... It doesn't seem terribly unlikely. Hey, show up and work for a couple days. Right. You can have a shirt on. <laughs> It'll be yeah, great. You want, yeah. you don't have to work out. I love that in that. Or does Hugh Jackman age into the old man Logan role? And that becomes <laughs> well, and that becomes a Fox television I think series. now he can play such a range of ages. Like They mm-hmm. just give him gray hair and some old man makeup. Like he... The, the it, was there a new Logan. issue of Old Man Logan this yeah, week? Yeah, he's... Uh, well, not... Only Logan. number one Number so one, far. Right? I, yeah. I don't know if number two is out. Well, Old Man Logan is in the news, as we'll talk about oh, in the yeah. news segment. But if, they, if you had anything else you wanted to show... Uh, yeah. Well, I'm reading Star Wars. I'm as, as big oh, a fan. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I call that my Wars. favorite comic of... And not not that like I'm not enjoying Secret Wars, but it's like this big bombast world series of stuff. And then they yeah. have this like 
super subtle Star Wars, like, yeah, chill out. We're going to fly some ships over here. It's going to be cool. Yeah, and and I'm loving it. I I think uh, my favorite is actually Darth Vader. I know you guys... uh, No, I I actually stopped reading it because I just want to read it all. I love watching the repercussions of, like, no, dude, you lost the Death Star. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's... Time for you, little crow. Take a step back. And I compared it to the shield, mm. the, the the Vic Mackey, the shield, not Agents yeah. of Shield, where Darth Vader has to like work for the bad guys and do all their plans, but be secretly making his own plans underneath it all. And you're like, it has this level of tension, and you can you can root for Vader because you you're like, well, you you hate the Emperor now too. Like, right. We're on your side there, Vader. Yeah, I, I like how they're uh, incorporating. Uh, Got his name. The guy on the Death Star who was like, not with this battle station is is not as. Uh, Ever since Bagano. Uh, they, they, <laughs> oh no! Yeah, the the guy. God, from what the, can I think of it? I, I'm I'm freezing under the the pressure of the. But now the guy at the table here. at the Death Star. Yeah, right. The 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 voice of dissension. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's that, and you know, I actually recently kind of read them for the second time both star wars and, mm-hmm. and vader and there there is the uh obvious connection of uh what happened what boba fett reveals to mm-hmm. vader which i actually think is a bigger story than what everyone was talking about with <laughs> the, the han solo wife yeah but, and a uh, great sequence like i love the ending of that yeah yeah and but there's actually another connection i i didn't uh, catch because they were farther apart, but Darth Vader number one is, I believe, at the same time as Star Wars number four. Five or four, yeah. Yeah, and oh, yeah. like uh, Vader tells Jabba, I'll mm-hmm. come back tomorrow on official business, and yeah. that's what you see in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you see, like, Darth Vader being, you know, like, unofficially visiting Jabba, mm-hmm. but then he comes back in, in the Star Wars comic, and he's got, like, all the stormtroopers around him and stuff. Uh, yeah, that, that was... For the, the interactions between Darth and Jabba are so great because Darth is from Tatooine, but Jabba doesn't know it. But right. Jabba does like to, you know, it's easy to just look at Jabba as a fat turd. But he's actually, they. I like when he's written, I saw this in the Expanded Universe to, books too, that Jabba's a smart guy. Like, you don't become the biggest gangster in the world just by eating frogs out Muppets, of a Muppets, right. Yeah, just by eating Muppets and having... <laughs> And putting your tongue on women, like you, you, you actually need to be kind of smart. And I like uh, in Darth Vader one, his dealings with his back and forth with Vader about making deals with the Empire. Like I really enjoyed. I just that. Didn't think they could make me hate him more. Mm. Like God, he's such a dick. Like he's <laughs> clearly like abusing him somehow, or like using him somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, and that I, you know, it's easy to it's easy to mock the prequels. I'm not going to do that, but I will say that these books reminded me they breathed life into the characters I hadn't felt in a while. They yeah. did things that showed a little more character. Mm-hmm. When Jabba says, oh, "Your mind tricks are going to work on me," he says, "I'm a Sith. I choke people." It just <laughs> chokes a character to death. I thought that's the kind of dark crap I <laughs> yeah. want to see. I just like the whole it. way that that issue like kind of mirrored the beginning of Return of the Jedi yeah. from a, a dark side perspective I thought was brilliant mm-hmm. and it's totally in keeping with the Star Wars universe where things happen again or mm-hmm. moments reflect on themselves like I like that yeah I've also actually gone back and you know being on kind of the Star Wars kick I've gone back and read some of the original Marvel comics mm. which I, oh, I'd wow. never really done before I don't know if I would call them good necessarily but mm-hmm. they're very interesting it's um, been so where did they, they, so where they take place film. they had one film well, to work they on, started right? coming out after the first movie so they just right after the first movie exactly the gang's all here. yeah they would they would kind of just extrapolate from that two hours of information that they had and, but we and, weren't living in a world where they had to like lucas is like this has to tie into our next movie no, don't break canon no <laughs> <laughs> i said, don't know you said concept. no with the look on your face like yeah, you have to see some of this yeah, stuff yeah right yeah like uh look up jackson jackson x x o 
N. That's the one I knew about. I'd seen him on the list before of like, how did this cartoon character get he's to Bucky exist? He's Bucky O'Hare. Yeah, he's exactly <laughs> Bucky O'Hare. Captain Bucky, yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, just even the adaptation I had some no rodent. interesting... Like the, thing. the adaptation of the movie, <laughs> uh, uh, I guess, had some things that they must have changed because, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Luke is not Red 5, he's Blue 5. Hmm. Uh, hmm. You know, they had Jabba the Hutt in there, you know, that they added that, that oh, scene in the special wow. edition, but... We didn't know what Jabba looked like back then, so Marvel had to make one up, and he's like this really? big cat guy. Whoa. He's, he's like a, a bipedal cat-like creature. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. awesome. And these um, are all available again. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, under the Marvel umbrella and like Palmasology uh, or something? Yes, yeah. it, it used to be... It's funny, they were they were Marvel, and then they were Dark, Dark Horse, Horse, and now they're Marvel again. Yeah, I bought a bunch of stupid Dark Horse comics in a panic over Christmas. These will never be made available for print. And I even like sent them to me. Buy them now, everybody. And like the next day, they appear in Comicsology. Right. Same well, price. they were a lot cheaper. <laughs> they were they were a lot cheaper, but like I like I have a stupid 16 gig iPad. First world problems, yes, I know. Mm-hmm. But the Dark Horse app is always the first thing to go when I'm out of room for other right. comics. And, and yes, they're like kind of gone right now. And I would mm-hmm. like to read. Yeah, them. actually, the the one I, I'm up to like issue 25, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. and it's still pre Empire. There was one comic i thought was legitimately good by mm-hmm. chris claremont actually oh wow and it was like just a one shot about luke uh being luke before all this happened wow. and you see him you see him bullseyeing womp rats and you know in his t16 that's really cool uh huh? so yeah it, i think it's like number 18 and that's a because, good one just uh, to check out well the main writer was roy thomas right was that it or I don't remember, and I. But yeah, but look it I, up if you. I have to think once me. Empire came out, that must have like nuked twenty of their stories. And they just <laughs> had to pretend they didn't happen. Very possibly. Oh, like, uh, well, that is awesome. Well, okay, we should really take a break. But yeah, uh, when we come back, lots of news to pontificate upon, including a one gun-toting vigilante that will also get a superhero spotlight. Plus, your answers to last week's question of the week. And welcome to the break for episode 141 of Cape Crisis. Thanks again for listening. And, uh, you know, we do this every week. And I definitely want to thank Chris Baker again for appearing. He's such a great guest. It was so cool to have him on. Uh, And I also wanted to tell you guys, if you're new to listening, if you wanted to help out, there's a lot of ways you can do that. First off, at lasertime.bandcamp.com, we have a lot of commentaries that we did for movies that you can buy. They're premium commentaries, a dollar, two dollars each, though you could pay more if you wanted to. But, you know, the host of this show and our friends, we watched films like X-Men Origins Wolverine, Avengers, Iron Man 3, and we talked over them and give our own commentary and our experience joking around about it. They're all tons of fun, and they're, it's, it's like watching these films you love with your friends. It's really great. And so you can buy those, lasertime.bandcamp.com, and they really help me out. Also, you can head to lasertimepodcast.com. We have a bunch of suggestions to stuff to buy. Uh, you can buy on Amazon. You can buy it directly there, but you don't have to buy 
the things we suggest. You buy anything on Amazon through those links. A little bit of money comes our way. So if you're planning to buy anything new, like say that new one terabyte Xbox One, you should buy it through our link and it'll help us out. A little money comes to us. No extra cost to you. Just really helps us out. And what would also help us out is if you reviewed this on iTunes. I'm sure a lot of you listeners have, but if you haven't, I appreciate every new review on iTunes. They all help with visibility, tracking popularity, making the show more popular. It really helps us out. So if you haven't done it before, head over to iTunes and give a review. Really is great. And lastly, now it's time for the Hank's Corner pick of the week. You know, I was talking, or I will talk a lot about Garth Ennis in the second half, but classic series that I love by Garth Ennis doesn't get read all that much, and it is Hitman. It's a great series from the mid-90s, a lot of action, PG-13 thrills, and has a good sense of humor about what was going on in the DC universe in the mid-90s with all the crazy crossovers and all that. It's it's a great, great book. Not a lot of people read it. You can get the single issues for really cheap right now on Amazon or Comixology for Kindle. And if you'd rather have something in your hands, there's a every collection of the entire series is on sale now, so you can check it out on Amazon.com, on the links on this page. All right, now back to the rest of the show. Welcome back, everybody, to segment two. Once again, here with Chris Antiste and Chris Baker. Two, yeah, two Chris's. Too many Chris's. We'll fight to see who stays. I was actually hanging out with another guy named Chris Baker earlier today. Really? So, yeah. That kind of trumps. In the this. games industry. Yeah. It's, it's not Angry nerd on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, but, man. Okay. So. Oh, yeah. I'm, okay. I, I. Yeah. I know. Don't yeah. deviate, Hank. All right. Sorry. Hey, news time. Um, no news. Any sound effects? Something in Mass Effect, right? I like that. <laughs> All right, so the biggest breaking news on this Tuesday mm-hmm. was that I think Netflix had their upfronts or something, mm-hmm. and so Netflix had a lot of big announcements. Is in, that what that came from? Including Marvel stuff. So small. The first off, aka Jessica Jones, is now simply Jessica Jones, and they're Good. saying that Luke Cage will be a regular on it. Mm. So I think they're huh. already like immediately going into their relationship, and even though Luke Cage like will star in his own series, sure. you know, like next year, I guess. Is but that, does that chronologically check out, Chris? Mm-hmm. I J Jones. Know. 
than Luke Cage. <laughs> what? Luke Cage definitely came first in the comics. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Unless yeah. you go by by Bendis's retcon, where uh, that's what Jessica Jones with. was a classmate of Peter Parker's in the background mm-hmm. of the movie. So, yeah, so then yeah. technically JJ yeah. comes before Luke, but uh, was it Bendis's retcon? Am I right? You see why I I'm do believe it was Bendis's. Okay. Yeah, I think it was in his New Avengers mm-hmm. books. Yeah, it was when Spider Man. Oh man, like let me quickly complain real quick. <laughs> I I hated. I love Bendis. He is a genius and uh, like the definitive Marvel writer of the modern age. I agree. He unmasks Spider-Man all the damn time (laughs) and it drives me crazy. And to the point where like it was... In his first Avengers story, they just yank his mask off in the in the raft, and I like all these prisoners do. And I was just saying to myself, like an angry geek, he can make his mask stick to his face. Like they can't just <laughs> yank it off. And then also they just meet with Daredevil. And then in his Daredevil book, an amazing book, but they have this part where everybody meets in plain costumes to talk with Murdoch, and Peter's there with Doctor Strange and Mister Fantastic. And I was like, wait, Mister Fantastic? I don't think he knew he was Peter Parker. And just like giving this away, it almost felt like he didn't know who knew who Peter Parker was. And so it just came to this point where every it felt like everybody knew who Peter Parker was. How did Parker you get through was. the Ultimates series then? That also, well, no it was in another no universe. It did drive me crazy. <laughs> But I also thought, if you're a 15 year old, yes, you will be knocked unconscious and immediately unmasked. I loved it. I like, loved it. One of my favorite scenes in the whole Ultimate Spider-Man run is the confrontation with Kingpin yeah. that takes place in a restaurant, and it's just them oh, yelling yeah. at one another. It's awesome. All that stuff with Kingpin's amazing. Yeah. No, it was. But I'm saying in the regular Marvel universe, I hate when Spider-Man gets unmasked all mm. the time. And so they even went to the the point of a major factor of One More Day was nobody knows, absolutely no one knows. Mm. And then within like six months Spider-Man unmasks himself to all the Avengers again I was like god damn it nobody's <laughs> like Bendis you unmasked him again you just got the genie back in the bottle ah! secret identities are important for people without superpowers so Gotta anyway, so, that, so that's when Jessica Jones revealed that she knew. He took his mask mm. off and re-revealed himself to the Avengers like, I'm Peter Parker. And she says, hey, I was in class with you. I was this girl in this mm. scene where you fought Sandman in issue three. And Netflix yeah. upfronts. Yes. Because okay. like, we were streaming just before this and everybody just all caps. Punisher so the, is the in. bigger deal was. They, I don't know anything about it yet. So Daredevil, you know, next season, next year, mm-hmm. Charlie Cox is back. All these people and they show the logo. And it is a bullet-riddled logo. There are bullet holes in the logo. Mm-hmm. And that's when they reveal that the Punisher will be a major part of that's season crazy. two. That is... And then they cast, let me get his name right here, John Bernthal. John Bernthal, a.k.a. Shane from Shane, the first yeah. two seasons of The Walking Dead. Who's a, a fantastic actor. Yeah. Like, I've seen him in a ton of stuff. I notice him a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has but he's been working of, like, a long time. He has intensity. And, and also cl- he looks like his face has been smashed in permanently. <laughs> like, like he's, yeah. He looks like he... Because I saw him in that Mob City show... And like you, you had this gangster look down so well. Mm-hmm. And, and as an actor, he's already been very well versed in how to work with prop gun to, and to be a badass at shooting people. So with him just, shooting like drug dealers and pimps, like I, I still have a hard time imagining him in <laughs> in the shirt. If, uh, if that's what we want to call Castle's outfit. But it's a, it's yeah, I'm excited by that casting. That seems really fun. Yeah, we were all talking about you know when Daredevil season one was going on, like oh man, we should have Punisher in this world. He totally fits. Mm-hmm. And I had seen arguments before the like oh he's too R rated for the PG-13 world of Daredevil but I was like nah just play it on a certain level like if Kingpin can get away with crushing a man's skull until it oozes out yeah. of a door but you can, you can get Daredevil, away uh, Punisher can shoot guys in the legs but if, you, if, it's, if he's starring in the Daredevil show you don't 
have to see what's done from Punisher's perspective. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. just see the, the debris he leaves. And behind. clearly, it could be a launching pad for a full on yeah. Punisher show down the line. If, if I if, yeah, so if I if I were to say to you, Chris, that I was introduced to Marvel Comics basically via Punisher and Wolverine, okay. you'd probably know exactly right, right around what time it was. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that yeah, I was like Punisher and Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, we're like that was my introduction to comics before before I was reading any Spider Man. I was watching him on TV, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Punisher. yeah, this, this I'm so was, excited. This was something I've been waiting for since Marvel got back the Punisher rights from yeah. I, guess, I think it was Lionsgate. Lionsgate. Yeah, Lionsgate, and so they had been kind of just waiting. And now this is the I, this feels like a great time to do it. I would love to see basically an adaptation of Punisher's origin from Amazing Spider-Man, but instead of Spider-Man, you have Daredevil, where Punisher mm. is under the impression that uh, Daredevil is. A menace, like he was, like yeah. Spider Man was. Yeah, my only concern, I think, is like I was really rooting for Electra to be in this season, and I wonder if mm-hmm. that affects that. I could still see Electra coming in. Maybe. I, thought, I thought that she was supposed to be introduced to that Defenders cinematic universe. <laughs> I thought that was. I, I well, I mean, they already have the hand. They all that was something that surprised yeah. me in Daredevil season one. That like the hand is such a giant idea that I thought, let's hold back on this. This might be too crazy to introduce people to the idea of the hand on top of a magic person from the city of Kunlun to put in all that <laughs> stuff into season one I thought they wouldn't go that big and yet here they are like they once they had a ninja all in red showed up I was like whoa actually the second they revealed there was a Japanese guy on on Kingspin's team I just thought oh well duh this is the hand. I looked up his name and uh, I don't uh, on Comic Vine you guys ever go there oh yeah Comic right. Vine is a fantastic site it's my best resource for anything yeah. comic book related the character's name i believe was nobu and there's yeah. there's no one actually named nobu but there was a character that was in Electra comics uh with i i, I would butcher the japanese name but nobu's like the last two syllables of a, hmm. a longer name uh and apparently his like really quick bio he has like uh maybe four comic book appearances something really light but it was like the founder of the hand oh. so wow. they dug super deep assuming that that is the actual uh origin of, of how they came up with this Nobu character. Oh, that's awesome. Wait, did yeah. Owlsley die at the end of the show? Well, yeah, but he was too old to be the owl. They I kept just, talking, Leland kept talking about his son so much. That character was, like, that was so funny be, throughout the entire show. I, I really want to see more of him. I loved him as just, he was the fish out of water and all these things, like all these, this like multinational group of gangsters were together and he's like, come on guys, I mean, what do you want to do? Like, ah, quit speaking in Japanese and then, <laughs> and then you wonder like, why does, why do they keep this guy around? And he's just like, yeah, I have all your money. That's why you keep me around. I have your money. I can't believe I have to tell Chris this, but keep hearts. I... I can't imagine Electra is not involved with this somehow, but I think, you know, Daredevil, you were kind of expecting it. I don't think anybody was expecting the Punisher, right? That's the big announcement. Yeah, I mean, I think I expected maybe season three or four. Yeah. Because uh, mm-hmm. I think he fits into that world pretty oh, sure. well. I mean, the Punisher, remember, was on the Spider-Man cartoon. You can, you I can couldn't believe they did dumb that, him down yeah. a bit if you need to. He had to have laser guns <laughs> in that. Yeah, show. he did. I also remember that as a kid reading, like, that Carnage was going to be on it. I thought, Carnage? The guy who's literally covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> the His name of, means yeah. uh, mass blood. Who is uh, like an unrepentant serial killer. Like, it's 
pretty out there. Like I think they kind of had to retcon that, but that Carnage was red because of because he was covered in blood. There's a really great interview I heard recently on a podcast I listened to called The Amazing Spider Talk, <laughs> and they interviewed the showrunner for that. And can't tell you, I don't recall all the details he gave on that, but he did speak to how Carnage came about and you know exactly how they, they had to nerf down the, the Punisher and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But they basically had free reign. Wow. It, they did not have to go through rigorous approvals uh, with Marvel. There were just things they could and could not do. Yeah, that's so it's so funny to hear about it. even like from just 20 years ago the more kind of uh, the the freer ability they had to just make things. It's like, yeah, we 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 signed a deal with Marvel. Let's just make stuff now. Like, yeah, it's or D or the DC stuff like all those. Another news thing mm. to move on to um there were a couple of big teaser. Marvel has been releasing all these teaser images of the all new all different Marvel. I love Daredevil, I I love Daredevil again. Oh, what a good time to like Daredevil. So the the first <laughs> one we saw, I think we talked about last week, that had four different spider people on it. Mm-hmm. Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman, Miles, and Peter. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so it was lots of spider people on it. This one, no spider people, and it's actually like a really weird group of Marvel Is that a new teaser characters. image? Well, this is from late last week. The one with Iron Man in the center? Yeah, well, they both have Iron Man in the okay. center. He, oh, there's different ones. Okay. There's two different ones, right? Yeah, well, this one has, like, Citizen V on it from Thunderbolts, which I was like, what? I Citizen thought some v. of those are pretty incredible. I can't wait yeah. to dive into this, these obscurities, like, I'm totally unfamiliar with. Yeah, and they imply, like, Old Man Logan will be the only Logan of the Marvel Universe now because, well, regular Logan's still on the shelf in his adamantium cage or whatever. But <laughs> Yeah, right. His death was pretty metal. And meanwhile, it definitely looks like but X... That's not my joke. <laughs> Boxing Marco, thank you. It definitely looks like X-23 is the official Wolverine, and she's yeah. in the real That's the Wolverine assumption outfit. to make, yeah. I really like that design, though. That... I kind of hope they're pulling our legs with that, though. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. If she's getting... If it she seems getting, too easy. If she was mm. getting trained by Old Man Logan, that'd be interesting, too. Like, yeah. his, mm. Or Sensei or whatever. And Daredevil's in this weird all-black getup. It's very different. And also, people are saying, like, there's two Squadron Supreme characters in there, which seems to imply they might even just get their own book. And then one of my my all-time oh. favorite characters, The Thing, oh, is a, a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy now, <sighs> which... I miss the Fantastic Four, but they'll be back, I'm sure. But the point is, for now... The thing lives! Him being with the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, like, I love those guys. Uh, he would fit in great. Just him having back and forth with Rocket, like, yes. that's, uh, that's so, such a funny idea. Since Drax is more of a super assassin, not the strong guy, then they, they need a strong guy. You can't, sooner or later, Groot's going to run out of bark. We can't block all the bullets. Mm-hmm. Get behind Mr. Grimm's back. Eventually he'll get. I love the thing it. so much. Ah, that's, I, I love seeing that because I obviously, you know, it's a weird time if you're a Fantastic Four fan. But seeing him get partnered and thrown new on. costume for the thing this week Dude. in Marvel Heroes. Ooh. Oh yeah, what is it? Uh the new Fantastic Four, the red one. The red one. Yeah. I like we it. also just there, there's a. I'm getting off on a total do it can- tangent here, but uh, the uh, one of the cool things that our game does mm-hmm. is uh, you know when we launched two years ago we had 21 characters mm-hmm. that don't have as many powers and technology into them as our like modern characters do so we go back and we add powers and we make what they have more spectacular the thing is the latest character we've done that to so he he plays like a new character now oh that's great oh and lastly in the image like dr strange is there in his classic getup but carrying an axe yeah that was very strange is there a a significance to the axe i'm not recognizing guesses i was seeing was that it was there there was a what was was an old thor enemy called the executioner who carried the axe and i 
I want to say... Uh, oh, it wasn't Thor crap. throwing her out what of was the ma- Well, yes, Thor has a... But that's not Thor's axe. Thor's, no. Thor's axe is not that one. But no, it was the um, the 90s uh, guy who replaced oh, Thunderstrike. Thor. Thunderstrike. Oh, Thunderstrike. Yeah. I feel like Thunderstrike had the axe briefly or tussle around with the execution. You want some fun video game trivia? Me! Yeah. Me! Uh, Thunderstrike appeared in a game before Thor did. Whoa! <laughs> did he really? Oh, I, I re- did some research on that. There's uh, some non-Marvel Thor games based on literal mythology. Oh, there are that. Yeah, yeah right. But like, yeah, he was he was in a game before Thor was in what? The Data East Galactic um, Storm? He was playable in that, but he actually appears in Maximum Carnage before that wow. in a cutscene. Wait, and so Cor- wow. NBC Thor's first appearance? Uh, uh, in statue Thor, form? Well, Thor uh, was a te- like a, a summon character in that game that you're talking yes, about. Sorry, yes, sorry, So you could be Thunderstrike and summon, summon Thor. Thor. You know. I, I think that's how it works. By popular demand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love, man, he was, that Thunderstrike was so 90s. I loved it. That he, great. He had, he had a left ear earring of a lightning bolt. Like, that was so good. It's, it'll never go out of style. Uh, and then I, Chief Among... So Marvel has been slowly taking off the, the wraps on post-Secret War stuff. Mm. And the big news over this weekend at a con was that Brian Michael Bendis, his big next book is Iron Man, which is a, yeah, a character he wrote He wrote a ton of Stark in The Avengers. But as far as I recall, he's never really had a solo Iron Man book. Yeah. And so, you know, Bendis always makes sure... Like, whenever Bendis takes over a book, it never just feels like... It's it's an assignment and he just like stays the course. He always has a cool, clever new idea that it felt like, oh, I've always wanted to do this with this character or this concept. And so I'm really interested to see what he'll do with, with Iron Man. One of the concepts he did talk about, the it one confirmed that the Iron Man we're seeing in the post-Secret War stuff is Tony. Mm-hmm. But then also they say that his current suit is modular in the way that it can be every suit he's ever had. It is a new suit, but it can turn into all his old suits. So hmm. I thought it's pretty cool. I'm really looking forward to that. I really, if I haven't said that before, I think I have. I really like Superior, Superior Iron Man. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt that it takes place. You're sitting in the turf of Superior Iron Man right now, Chris. Yes, and true. That And, and all the stuff, oh, the wonderful... Uh, I'm planning to visit the remnants of Utopia while yeah. I'm here as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Marvel announced this really cool new initiative called the True Believers, which is hmm. $1 comics to, of the first issue of some of their more popular series to help oh. new readers read it. And September has the first line of True Believers, which is most their uh, women starring books. Miss um, Marvel, Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman. Like PlayStation Greatest Hits kind of thing with a with a yeah. new black bar or something like that. Or, or, it's, or it's like a comiXology sale, but in physical form. Ooh, that's still pretty cool. I remember when Marvel in the mid-90s did their 99-cent comics. Those were those were fun because they were supposed to be like the cheaper, non-official knockoff books. But Untold Tales of Spider-Man was... Mm. It came out during the Clone Saga years, and Untold Tales was the best Spider-Man <laughs> comics of that era. Like, it... Kurt Busiek wrote Did you ever read those? I've always there? wanted to, and I actually own them. Uh, I just have not gotten around to it. I, it. I really like the concept, though. I was so happy when they collected that omnibus of it, because they'd never... They had collected, like, the first six issues a million years ago, and then it had been basically out of print. And when they did the omnibus, they got everything, because mm-hmm. Busiek did all these, like, cool extras in the annuals and side books and stuff, and they just pulled all of those in. Like, it is the complete everything Untold Tales of Spider-Man. It's it, awesome. Kurt Busiek is like a comic genius. He is to... Mark Wade knows everything about comics, but he really... Like, he has the encyclopedic knowledge of DC. 
Kurt Busiek is that to Marvel? And so Can I tell you my, my random Kurt Busiek on the internet story? Sure. Uh, I backed a few years ago a Kickstarter for a uh, documentary about one of my favorite writers uh, from when I was a kid, Lloyd Alexander. He wrote, yeah. he wrote yes. uh, all the, oh. all the, the, the Chronicles of Perdane, best known. The best covers has, in my library I'd always pull down. Oh, of course it's oh. a Lloyd Alexander book. Yeah, it has, you know, the, one of the movies became the Black, Black Cauldron, Black Cauldron mm-hmm. from Disney. Not the greatest film, but I still have a special place in my heart for it. It's like Gurgi. We all like Gurgi. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I kicked, I backed, started, wait, I backed this Kickstarter. Yeah. And I, I, there was like 40 other people who had, and I just looked down the list and I was like, Kurt Busiek was on this list. I was like, what? And so I actually tweeted to him about it and he tweeted back to me all excited about how he loved those books and they were a huge influence to him. And my memory's super vague about it, but those are like the first book series I can remember being introduced to. Like I read them in fifth and sixth grade. There were five books. Uh, the Black Cauldron was nominated for a Newbery Award. <sighs> Good old and Newbery. And then The High King, the fifth book, won it. Uh, mm. And it's all like based on Welsh legend. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it kind of breaks my heart that the Black Cauldron has this bad reputation as a Disney movie because I killed Disney animation I really think put it in a coma it could have uh, it it is like very yeah people haven't thought about adapting it yet but everything else has gotten uh, yeah I thought I thought I did read something like there was options somewhere yeah okay here's some more backstory on me Uh, in 1997 I actually ran a uh, an online petition to bring back the black cauldron really because I it wasn't on video at the time and I only had my memory from when I was eight years old uh, in 1985 and I really wanted to see it again and I was on a news group and you for some beautiful. reason uh, you know the, the internet was this new thing that, that mm-hmm. I could make my own website and I was like I'll, I'll try to make a I'll make a, a petition <laughs> this was before petition online and all that stuff so I, I would like literally get people to send me their names and I would type them in on, on wow. a big list are you still fighting the fight um well it came out on not on VHS. blu-ray it, yeah, that 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 there is, is a fight for that fight. right now. Yeah, that's worth a fight. But yeah, but anyway, I wrote Lloyd Alexander, and I tried to get his name on the petition. He 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 was very nice about uh, saying he had like personal reasons, but he sent me a typewritten letter. Really, very very nice. Uh, he probably never ever used a computer. He's probably <laughs> the same typewriter that wrote all those books in the '60s, and that was like uh, just a huge moment in my life like this really my favorite author as a kid Mm -hmm. wrote me back and was super nice and then the the movie came out on vhs and there's a quote from him in the chicago tribune where he attributes me for the movie coming out on vhs which is not (laughs) there's no way I mean, I had like a thousand signatures, but I don't think that really turned the tide uh, in that decision. Are you surprised but, when Disney wants to sell something? Yeah. It, <laughs> it was, uh, that was like a, a You were an internet pioneer with that petition. <laughs> you know how these things work now. You probably weren't some PowerPoint for, from some team. Like, this is why we have to make mm, this happen, guys. Maybe. That's, that is true. I mm-hmm. did send a letter to Michael Eisner. Did you? That his yeah. assistant probably read over and was like, ha, that's funny. Dear Chris. <laughs> I mean, physical letters, have, I've always heard physical letters have more of an impact yeah. these days than emails do. Yeah. That's for sure. You're throwing away a piece of something that someone let Somebody their spent bodies. 40 cents yeah. to send this to you. Right. They didn't just press send on uh, something. DNA's all over it. All right, we should get to the superhero. Just saying, Black Cauldron is like the only. If you look at that shelf over there, that's like every Disney Blu-ray ever. Okay, and it's missing the Black Cauldron. If you go and watch the 
Bolt Blu-ray. There is an advertisement what? for the Blu-ray of the Black Cauldron. Really? There was a URL at one point that was, I think it was blackcauldronblu-ray.com that just doesn't sense. exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, that and Aladdin. Disney. Uh, no, Aladdin's been announced finally. Thank goodness. Took him a while. You would have figured that Robin Williams stuff yeah, was in the plan. I, it. I imagine there'll be some awesome Robin stuff. I hope it's I'm that gonna... thing I posted on the website, his first Disney animated forum, uh, which was oh, in a Walter yeah. Cronkite narrated Epcot exhibit where he turns into a lost boy from Peter Pan. Boy, to get a version of that that isn't just off of a VHS. Yep. Like, no, yeah, yes, that would be amazing. amazing. All right, let's get to the superhero spotlight. Collect your hero. This, I mean, the Punisher is a big deal this week now that he just, you know, is going to get a whole new incarnation after, I think he's been played by three guys in live action to this point, Dolph Lundgren, Thomas Jane, and whoever it was in War Journal. <laughs> but that, that guy person. also went on to voice him, I think, in a couple uh, games so, and yeah. Marvel animated stuff. You should watch uh, YouTube Superhero Squad Punisher. It is... Hilarious! What is that? <laughs> well, that was the they're all ages show oh, and, and line. Whoa, and stuff. for real? And, they went yeah. there with yeah. They, they had the Punisher. Every like for some reason, uh, all the superhero squad characters <laughs> lost their transportation, and the only option was the Punisher's battle van. <laughs> and yeah, Ray Stevenson. That was the guy. Yeah, Ray Stevenson. He was the uh, voice of the Punisher. It's only like a minute long. You could probably play it right now. I got it. It, it would you... work. Go for all it. Right, let's give it a listen. Thanks, Punisher. We really appreciate this. We're nothing but white blood cells. An infection called crime. A sickness that sneaks in through the cracks. The way that Brussels sprouts sneak onto a plate of delicious macaroni and cheese. Sure, the city looks safe. Just push the Brussels sprouts to one side, right? Raw! No matter where you put them, their vile vegetable juices corrupt the whole plate. Oh. I'm out here to keep those stinking sprouts off the mac and cheese. Keep them from leaving the store in the first place. Your van smelled like dirty laundry anyway. Hogwarts mac and cheese. Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. That's really clever. Oh, kids, you don't even know why that's funny. The kids <laughs> watching the show. His first appearance was in Amazing Spider-Man 129, 1974, created by Gary Conway, Ross Andrew, the... Dwarf? And, uh... That's Tim Conway, my bad. Gary Gary Conway, uh, Ross Andrew, and John Romita Sr., who... I think John Romita Sr. is like the co-creator in the way that uh, Wolverine, he's a co-creator of Wolverine, because he... I believe he designed... He was like the art director or art whatever Bubba. at Marvel at the time and so there's like five people who go creative over yeah it. yeah and so he probably had an art pass on them and the character but yeah he was he was a Spider-Man character the first time and he's kind of in the mix of the clone the original clone saga like he's there around the jackal and and the clone Gwen Stacy that comes back and she's like I'm Gwen St- Stacy I'm I'm the same old one and it's weird to go back and read those now and you know how heavily all of that got retconned mm. but what it meant at the time but yeah as you said he Punisher was played as an anti-hero from the start they but, didn't but, have him just be some villain they hired to kill Spider-Man okay. he has good intentions but so at every intent of launching him as a hero I think they had, I mean, they didn't make him a clear villain. And I see on his wiki page, there's a quote from Stan Lee saying, oh, we intended him. We had long-term plans, though. Stan Lee says a lot of stuff. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, he, I mean, and his design immediately is just amazing. Like in his first, his first cover appearance is 
is one of the most iconic covers ever. Like, oh, I yeah, pulled it up one here. of my favorites. Yeah. Spider-Man in the Crosshairs is so good. And they did a great version of that in, for um, the death of Ultimate Spider-Man storyline when it crossed over into Avengers. That was the cover on the Avengers of him putting Spider-Man in his crosshairs because he actually does shoot him. Ultimate, Ultimate Punisher actually shoots Ultimate Spider-Man. But yeah, Punisher... So he first appeared in the 70s, and he would kind of just appear here and there. Like, mm-hmm. he'd be a guest character in a lot of stuff, and usually with with uh, with street-level guys like Spider-Man. Like, uh, I think he dealt with Captain America for a time, too. But his biggest stuff was in Daredevil. Like, mm-hmm. Frank Miller... Frank Miller really got Punisher well. Like, Frank Miller, he... Made, he had the battles between Punisher and Daredevil in his books. He also had Punisher going to jail. Like Punisher went to jail the first time, I think, when Miller wrote him, and uh, it was the setup of the whole Punisher. Like, oh, you're now you're stuck in jail with me, and he's murdering people in jail, mm-hmm. and then gets out whenever he feels like. And from there, um, by the '80s, Punisher finally got his own series. He got it started with a limited series, and then it went on to a full-on series written by Stephen Grant. He was the big name on it, which what interested me was I had never read much of Stephen Grant's stuff mm-hmm. but he had an early comic co- a column about comic books on I think it was comic book resources like in the early 2000s and he had all these really interesting like insights on on the comic creative process mm-hmm. and who gets paid what but he also pointed out that he's this super liberal dude but he also loved writing the Punisher and he thought it was funny that he had defined the Punisher so much and that all these conservative guys are like yeah you gotta you just gotta take the law into your own hands sometime and kill kill the bad guys yeah, I am trying to think like what was there a cultural event that led to the why, why launch mean, a character like the Punisher in the well, 70s there definitely was the the, uh, the no powers no, He's powered York, by vengeance well, and weapons. Okay, the guy who inspired Death Wish, the real life Death Wish Charles guy. Charles Brunson? No, as in the actual man in the news. <laughs> Jeff in the Goldblum, 70s, the Gold, uh, uh, Jughead Head. The man in the yeah. 70s who shot three people on a subway Got car. It, yes. who, like that, in, that inspired this idea of vigilante, like vigilante justice. Uh, and a guy Bernie who's just a ra- yeah Bernie Getz that was it <laughs> Bernie Getz and mm-hmm. just the myth of this guy it, you could see it spread in these films like in the late 70s mm-hmm. there were so many Death Wish is the major example of it yeah. but there were so many revenge okay, makes sense. films like that and so I think the Punisher he maybe predates Bernie Getz but I think he shifted and morphed but his roots might that. have like it might have roots in uh, cheap exploitation films yeah I mean yeah. he's a 70s character and the Chucks let's say as they mm-hmm. refer to them but then in the Bronson and Norris. But then the eighties, he just got more and more intense, and he kept getting like these. Uh, he got more gadgets, like mm-hmm. he got more gadgetry, and that's when he got. I think that's when he got the van, right, Chris? You remember? Uh, I, that sounds right. I that's also sure. when the. Well, that's when he, he got his like chunky computer sidekick, who's who's basically just his cue, who was like, I drive around the van, I'm a fat guy, and I make... <laughs> microchip. And I, microchip, yeah. And he would just make tools for the Punisher. Mm. The microchip didn't last too long into the 2000s. At some point, when they just rebooted Punisher, mm-hmm. they just killed Microchip, because they didn't... It just didn't make sense. Punisher is just such a gruff guy. Him having any friends, it mm. just doesn't make sense, really. And so, yeah, Punisher gets caught... I like Punisher's long-term relationship 
with all the different superheroes because mm-hmm. they they barely allow him to exist and they're just as ready to arrest him as mm-hmm. work with him mm-hmm. and he kind of has to be convinced of it like spider-man especially spider-man i just love their interactions mainly for, well first off he started as a spider-man character and then when he meets spider-man spider-man just reacts like you're a criminal you're a murderer like i'm putting you in jail we're not we're not teaming up to take on the kingpin i'm stopping you and, and other guys have that reaction too i really like liked how Punisher was used in the Civil War books. Yes. Uh, that he he teams up with Cap and he respects Cap and all this stuff. But the first time Punisher just murders someone in front of Captain America, Captain America says like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> why well, I, I regret ever inviting you here. Get out of here. And then, but Punisher won't lift a hand on Cap because he respects Cap too yeah. much. It's, right, it's, it's more than just that. It's like Pun- or Captain America like is, is saying, fight me. Why aren't you fighting me? And, yeah. and Punisher's like, I won't fight you, Cap. Yeah. Beast, yeah. not with you, bub. <laughs> and that's another thing about uh, Frank Castle's origin mm-hmm. is totally the... Like, it totally feels like Death Wish 2 or, or any of those exploitation films. He, his family gets caught in a mob hit crossfire, mm. and that inspires him to put his army training to good use and murder uh, murder the mafia. And that that he can exist in a world without superheroes if need be, but mm. him him crossing over into the world of superheroes... Matt Fraction wrote a really good... He wrote Punisher for a little while post-Civil War, mm-hmm. and one of the first things he had Punisher do was shoot Stiltman to death. Like, he just, like, a new guy was was walking around in stilt man armor and then he just like shoots him in the leg and then shoots and just blasts his head off and Peter said this guy's a joke you didn't have to kill him and it, it just is proof like Punisher can't play nice with the silly characters he, he just wants He's to kill he got a zero them. tolerance policy yeah it's very understandable for vigilantes mm-hmm. but and he's just such he's such an action movie character it makes yeah. sense that he they'd make a film in the 80s like unlike all the special effects you yeah. do for Spider-Man or X-Men or all this yeah, other not, stuff we're not talking a land of harnesses and uh, mad effects Punisher guns just give Dolph Lundgren guns with blanks in them he will shoot them like Mm. it just looks cool and and that skull costume it's just so and and then Punisher so then the Marvel Knight stuff started and Punisher entered this new era rather uncomfortably because he became an avenging angel first and also became a black man briefly. Mm-hmm. It was very strange. And then Garth Ennis came on and it was just back to basics Punisher. And Garth Ennis, famous for Preacher mainly, like mm-hmm. that's his most famous book. Garth Ennis is just a no-nonsense like, yeah, like these are just ta- horrific deaths will happen all the time with kind of a funny edge to it. And mm-hmm. he had his Preacher co-artist work with him on it. And it just became this amazing series in in Marvel Knights it reinvigorated the Punisher everybody loved the Punisher the the original Marvel Knights run really informed the Thomas Jane Punisher film Garth Ennis even writing a PG-13 Punisher Mm -hmm. that was too that still wasn't enough for Ennis so Punisher then transferred over to the Max universe. I dug back into somewhat recently. It is really Really fun. Yeah. His Punisher Max stories were great, but it also meant he couldn't, he basically just existed in a world unto himself. Yeah. And one of the coolest things about it was that in the Marvel universe, he can't be a Vietnam vet because (laughs) he'd be 60. Yes. And so they just kind of, I think they made him a Gulf War vet. And at this point, he's probably just an Iraq War vet. Mm -hmm. Dennis wrote Punisher as, no, he was in Vietnam. Yeah. And he's getting old. Like, he's getting older and older mm-hmm. and older as he wrote it. And and one of my favorite Punisher stories ever was the finale to Punisher Max that Jason Aaron wrote. Yes. 
Yes. That it was in real time. It introduced Bullseye and Kingpin and Elektra to the Punisher world. Mm -hmm. And it was so great. Like, uh, Jason Aaron had... Such a great handle on it. And one of my favorite bits was that they just brought up this thing I, thing I never thought of with Punisher. He is just a guy who, unlike Bruce Wayne, doesn't have a ton of money. So he can't get, like, awesome surgeons or whatever to fix him. So instead, he's just a man in constant pain. Like, he just... Mm. Getting out of bed in the morning must be the worst feeling in the world for him. Because he's broken pretty much every bone in his body. Mm. And and also refuses to take painkillers because it would dull his senses. So they like Jason Aaron just kept pointing out every moment is pain for the Punisher, but he just grits it out like it's. So it was heavy. really interesting. I I, I loved it. But, I need well, to finish off the Max series, man. Well, so what are one of your guys' favorite Punisher moments? The Max I, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You just said it. The Jason Aaron stuff for me definitely. Mm. Uh, there's also one particular issue that Matt Fraction uh, wrote. Possibly with Rick Reminder, I can't remember if they mm. were working at the same time, but uh, War Journal number four is where Punisher goes to the bar with no name <laughs> and acts as he's like undercover as the, uh, he's as a bartender, the bartender, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And by the end of the issue, he basically kills a whole room full of <laughs> C-list Marvel villains. It's awesome. Uh, I feel so bad for those C-list villains because uh, normally the C-listers are like Spider-Man guys. And Punisher like. meets Archie. That's yes. that's the other one. Yeah, no, that's a classic. Is that the win. first Marvel Archie crossover? I believe so. I believe so. Oh, it was just, it was so, we we brought it up before on this podcast, but yeah, it's, it's great. It's written by Tom DeFalco, who mm-hmm. He's actually like got a start at Archie, then became EIC and one of the top writers at Marvel, and now has spent like the last ten years back at Archie. So he was a perfect guy to write the Archie characters in yeah. Punisher, and then I believe it was Do- John Buscema drew Punisher, which that's a perfect old school style to draw Punisher for. If you're going to match Punisher at all with the Archie world, you need, Riverdale. you need a set, you need a '60s style yeah. artist to draw Punisher, not an '80s guy. Though I really also loved the second Batman and Punisher crossover, hmm. the one by John Romita Jr. with on the arts, because the one with they had the first. One one where Punisher meets Asbad. Right. Which, that just it felt empty. It didn't feel... It was also weird for them to just reflect a crossover, or, sorry, to reflect a, a, such a big change in status quo in a crossover. Normally, they ignore that kind of stuff. But then when he meets uh, Bruce, he realizes this whole different level of things, and there's this great part where Punisher just, like, punches Batman in the face, and Batman's reaction was like, okay, you earned one, and then Punisher tries to <laughs> punch him again. And, like, Batman just flings him into a wall. He's like, I said one. (laughs) Just this whole thing, like, yeah, the Punisher in hand-to-hand combat can't beat. The Punisher can't beat Batman in, Mm. like, straight hand-to-hand combat. But you have Punisher enough time. You can get one hit in. So that that was one thing that did kind of bug me about when Ennis wrote Punisher. Mm -hmm. Because... He had him beat and, like, clown every Marvel character. Like, he just beat Wolverine, Daredevil, Spider-Man, like, with total ease. And it, it always just felt like Ennis had just no respect for goofy superheroes. He was like, you Didn't goofy steamroll Wolverine? Yeah, he <laughs> literally steamrolled him. Yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was funny, but it was also, if you were a fan of the characters, you're like, come on, right. Punisher couldn't do this. All right, so that's the superhero spotlight. Collect your hero. And just early, let me get this out of the way. It's also the question of the week. What's your favorite Punisher moment? I think oh, we all boy. just shared it right there. So go to the forums to talk about that. If and you don't have one, get one. 
And uh, I just want to do a quick lightning round on last week's question of the week, which was, what would your subtitle be for Guardians of the Galaxy 2? <laughs> and, uh, oh, man, mine was dumb. Dango Mushi says, Awesome Mix Volume 2. It's not bad. InGen says, Annihilation, Thanos Imperative, Inhumanity, War of Kings, Realm of Kings. <laughs> uh, Skane Lermis? Skane Lermis? Uh, he says, Oh, Ska in Lermis, maybe? He says, uh, Tijuana Nights, Medea in Space, <laughs> and License to Quill. <laughs> I like that one. And Shin, with two N's, said, Age of Cosmo, uh, because. Because I'm a power tell, because I'm a power powerful telepath, and my burning desire is to see Cosmo interact with Rocket. That seems like a deviant art version of Michael Richards. If I've ever heard of one. <laughs> JJB Sterling says uh, Annihilation too, because he wants to see Annihilus show up, or Infinity Watch, so that they can get Warlock in. <laughs> Movie Brat says Uga Chaka Uga Chaka. <laughs> Triscuitable says Guard Harder. <laughs> Wait, okay, Psylocke Rule says Th- Thanos finally does something. <laughs> and last one is Iron Back Guy says Guardians of the Galaxy 2, colon, more Nathan Fillion. <laughs> so, I yeah. agree. There's a picture uh, floating around the internet uh, bathing with otters. It's like this, I love that picture. This man is practically a god on Earth. Uh, so yeah, that's that's all the time we have this week. We went a little long, but, but we, we had to. It's such a great special guest. Thank you oh, very thanks, much, guys. Chris. Yeah, did you got anything you want to plug? Uh, well, again, check out Marvel Heroes at marvelheroes.com. Follow mm-hmm. it on Twitter at Marvel Heroes. Uh, you can follow me at cbake76. Uh, you can check out my book called Wrong Retro Games. You messed up our comic book heroes. Reading and- us tonight. Oh, cool. I have my own website, too. It's Christopher-Baker.com. Great. Yeah, and uh, we had a fun laser time this week talking about the Dude, best of 2015 Best so 2015 far. so far. Where uh, Did I already say what I named? I did. Yep, uh, Star Wars. What was one of my favorite movies? I bet you can't guess it's Mad Max. Fine, fine. <laughs> but we also streamed a bunch of Jurassic Park games this week because we announced we were streaming Jurassic World on Tuesday. It doesn't come out till Friday. Yeah. So instead we did four bad... You mean Lego Jurassic, Jurassic, Jurassic Yes, World. what did I say? Jurassic, well, you just Lego said Jurassic World. World. Oh, yeah, there's no more movie games so it's lego jurassic world well i mean um, lego are the movie games yes as we were seeing with lego avengers coming mm-hmm. out this uh fall, fall? yeah winter Who i knows? think they said winter yeah. winter okay yes I mean November, I guess. Yeah, I what does that mean well, for Australia? Australia? It doesn't make any December sense. December 22nd? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're seeing, you're seeing more December releases. They happen. Early December. Uh, but also, yeah, uh, don't forget about the Avengers and Iron Man 3 commentaries. If this is your first time listening. I'm going to say this Chris, to, to motivate myself to do it. I am writing way too much about both Happy Meal toys and a Flintstones theme park in the middle of Arizona. Mm. Uh, so look for that at lasertimepodcast.com. Great, yeah. And also... <laughs> no, not great, but it'll be there. Also, there was a special... 50th episode of Cheap Popcast this week where we did uh, commentary for one of our favorite matches ever that you can watch along with. Uh, there's Video Game Apocalypse, Apocalypse, the video game mm-hmm. podcast on the network, and VG Empire, all about music. And I also, if I can drop a plug for somebody else, Retronauts this week has yes. an amazing Mega Man episode with our friend and Capcom employees. Brett Elston and Greg Moore okay, talking good. about Mega Man's 1 through 6, including the just announced Legacy Collection. You okay, guys should good. really listen to this. I saw that plug and I'm like, was I on that? I didn't <laughs> no, you remember. Were not. Too many yeah. podcasts. Too, I'm on a different one where we talk lives. about Mega Too Man. Too many podcasts. It's true. <laughs> All right. But that's it for this week. Thank you again, Chris. And until next time, Excelsior! Excelsior!